for me to be the best mom mm-hmm. for a child with mental health issues, I needed to be in control of my emotions. And I know that food, when I eat out of control, I am not in control of my mm-hmm. emotions. And I need to be strong for her. Thank you so much for being here today. Carly is going to be sharing a story of not only personal transformation, mentally, emotionally, and physically, but she also shares the story of what it's like to mother a teenager with severe depression and anxiety and suicidal attempts. I hope you'll enjoy this opportunity to learn from Carly and take what she teaches us and implement it into your own life. Hello, welcome to this episode of the Today I Am Enough podcast. I'm so excited to have Carly here, and I'm going to let her introduce herself. Awesome. Thanks. I'm really excited to be here and get to share my story. So um, my name's Carly Peterson, and I am a mom of three beautiful kids. Kids. I'm actually the guardian of my cousin as well. Um, My husband and I have been married for 17 years, and we are both newborn ICU nurses and absolutely love that. And I'm also a jazzercise instructor, but I just do that for fun. That's just just my enjoyment. And that is a little bit about, oh, well, here, this is important. I have two dogs, two cats, two rabbits, and a chinchilla as well. So, you know. That's super impressive. (laughs) I only that's, knew about your dogs. <laughs> that's like a that's like a pushover mom. You can have a zoo at your that's house. Just, yeah, we a small do. Zoo. We do. Two pets we, for every kid. Three. We bought a zoo. That's you know that movie. That's yeah. like totally us. <laughs> we bought a zoo. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. That's great. So, anyways, so that's me. Carly and I met through Jazzercise. Actually, lots of my neighbors love to do it, and Carly's great. And mm. then we we got to know each other better at a blogging conference. Yes. So that was. A long time ago, it feels it like. It was. So it's been fun to see um, your journey and your story progress over those few years yeah. and all the things. Yeah. So Carly's going to go ahead and tell us some of her story, and she has a couple different aspects of her story. So I'm excited to hear it all together. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Really, my first story, what connected um, Kara and I was, I had started a blog. It's called Chubby for Too Long, and it really was my weight loss journey. So basically, I um, have struggled with weight my whole entire life, like really since I was a young child. And like I have memories of being in fifth grade and like the my mom taking me for a physical and the doctor telling, you know, asking her, what what kind of lunches do you send for Carly? And my mom would tell her, tell the doctor, and he would say that that I must have been stealing lunches from other kids to oh weigh goodness. that much. And, and, you know, it was just little things like just always being the heavy kid, always yeah. kind of struggling. And so it was always just something that was part of me. But I always, um, I, I feel like I... I was raised really well in in that my parents always taught us to like believe in yourself and I remember my dad was so cute he'd always tell me like if you if you didn't have weight issues then you'd just be perfect and so you know like then you'd have nothing to work on in life and oh, it just like made me feel so good like yeah that's right I'd be so great if I if I was if I was skinny I'd have it all together you know that's hard Anyways. though like to grow up with that mentality in the back of your mind that and just, that affects a lot of us though and sometimes we don't realize it until we start looking back at right. those really hard things and those hard moments of what has been said that really does 
internally affect us through adulthood. Right, right, exactly. Anyway, so I was really, I was really grateful for my parents. Anyways, but then I, um, so I continued on. I did struggle with my weight consistently through, um, like I went off to college, and I mean, what do they say? Like the dorm, the freshman fifteen, you know. And I think I put on the freshman seventy-five. It was a bad. Well, I was an RA in the dorms for multiple years, so eating dorm dorm food for like three years will definitely yeah, do that to you. Not helpful. And so um, I graduated from college, and um, I had gone into nursing, and and really loved that. But but it was this struggle. It was this constant like battle of trying to know that it wasn't about like getting skinny or anything like that it was about wanting to be healthy right and wanting to feel good about um my physical body and and just myself in general that I wasn't a slave to food that food wasn't you know controlling Mm -hmm. things in my life and and so then um after college I was back home living with my mom and dad and working, and um, my sister was a senior in high school, and we were just having this great time, and I really just wanted to get my life together. So at that point, I decided to start um, doing Weight Watchers, and it was great. And actually doing Weight Watchers, I had lost about 65 pounds at that point and was feeling really good about where I was. I still wasn't tiny by any means. I still... Um, was like in the 180s and um, my sister was going off to college and she didn't want to go by herself we grew up in California uh, near San Francisco and she was coming out to Utah to go to school and she didn't want to go by herself so I decided well I'll go with you (laughs) and um, I did and in that time it was awesome because I came out to Utah and I started working, actually met my husband, and we are one of those crazy stories of we met, we got engaged, we got married pretty fast. Yeah. And uh, I wouldn't change that, though, because it, I mean, 17 years has been awesome, and he's absolutely my best friend. And so recently, I was thinking about just kind of what we've gone through and, like, feeling very lucky to have a spouse that's been so supportive as I have struggled with my weight and I think it's not just about like the weight but it's about the emotional eating like I am a definite emotional eater and I am I really try to I mean I guess I always just feel like like I just want I just need to be happy you know just always trying to be happy or whatever and so sometimes just just using food as a way of coping with hard things and I think that's really been my issue most of my life and I have learned that so many people are struggling with that as well that they are coping with the hard things by eating and trying to not feel the stuff that we don't want to feel anyways well I think in a lot of I mean it's just that addiction to food right instead of turning to alcohol or medication or whatever oh yeah it's a different thing that we use and while it's different and food can be healthy for us when you start using it in unhealthy ways there's an issue with that and when you're using it to hide or cover up emotions or hard things in life absolutely that's where I think a lot of people struggle but don't realize that yeah it's a struggle or an issue because it's just food right it's just food but you're exactly right because when you're starting to use it to an unhealthy an unhealthy way you know then it's really a struggle um anyway so as um I kind of really was first starting wanting to get control of my emotional eating and get control of my health um so when I had backtrack just a touch when I had my daughter when I was pregnant with my first 
I put on a hundred pounds in my pregnancy. And I remember going into one of the appointments and they're like, are you pregnant with twins? And I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm not. But um, it was again, it was just like all of a sudden this free reign of like, oh, I can just eat whatever and just the the worry I'm of for like, two. I'm eating for two. Am I going to be good enough as a the mom? The baby's this big, as big as an <laughs> apple, but I'm eating for two. <laughs> totally, exactly. Anyway, so that was a really hard start because I felt like, I mean, we'd, we'd been married for, you know, when Ellie was born, we had been married for just a year and a half. And, and here I am weighing the highest I have ever weighed and thinking like, oh my gosh, is my spouse going to love me through this? And, and, and just feeling very grateful that that he has never made me feel bad about my struggle with weight ever. It's always just been this absolute support mm-hmm. through all of that. Um, anyway, so then, of course, I yo-yoed for a while because, I mean, you, you know, you, you work really hard. You try to lose some, and then you have another baby, and you gain more. And mm-hmm. Anyway, so I spent a large portion of my um, 20s weighing around 240 to 250 pounds. And um, I didn't... I didn't want to do that. I, it wasn't about the size. Like, I, I love that there's so many girls that are so confident. And I think that I always felt confident in in me. But I wanted to feel like I was in control of me. I wanted yes. to be in control of I totally what I was that. doing for myself, mm-hmm. you know, and how yeah. I was taking care of me. And so I started this blog, Chubby for Too Long. And, you know, it was my little blog spot. I didn't tell anybody about it. And I just started writing. And I just started writing about my feelings of, of how – um, how I felt about weight and how I felt about the lack of control. I remember one day, like I, it's amazing the more I share um, the struggles, like how many people, like they really, they get it. They've been there. They've done that. Yeah. Like, like my dad makes the best oatmeal chocolate chip cookies ever and they're really good and you stick them in the freezer. And I remember this one day just being so, just struggling so, so much. And just going in there and just trying to, like, eat them as fast as I could before my brain could tell my hand to, like, stop oh. eating the cookies, you know? And when they were frozen, they weren't, like, hard. They were, like, chewy. I don't know. It's yeah. kind of weird. But anyways, like, just really just that knowing that they're, like, I have to get, I have to figure out what is wrong. Like, why am I doing this? Why am I eating this way? Right. Um, and why am I, why am I fulfilling my needs through food? Right. So, um. Anyways, over time, I, like I said, I lost and gained like multiple times. And um, and then when I got to, I mean, let's see. So my kids were now older. Um, my youngest was about five or six, I guess. And I just felt ready. Like I had started to do a lot of focusing on me and my mm-hmm. mindset and who I believed I was and um and, and and truly what I, what I felt about my contribution to the world and to my children. And How did you do that? Like, what did you do to help your mindset and focus on yourself? So really, I started, I was, I was watching in my girls. So kind of at this time, my oldest daughter was really struggling with anxiety and, and starting to really show signs of struggling with feeling good about herself and the struggles. And so I felt like... I needed to figure out a way to help her to see herself in a good light. And mm-hmm. so I needed to do the same thing for me. Yeah. So I really started um, looking into, into different things. So I started with a lot about like positive thinking, like, you know, mm-hmm. this positive affirmations and positive yeah. self-talk and, and really trying to focus on that and taking 
taking time to like sit with my daughter and we would work on like when we're feeling really blue let's talk about the things that we do like about ourselves what are the things that we're really good at and the things that we're working on and so I really focused on on learning learning what I liked about me and then writing that down that became a really big part of my journey was writing it down keeping track of the things that I was grateful for Mm -hmm. and I always feel like and I know you, you hear that everywhere now it's such a popular um, concept and it really is very true yes it is. to like write down how you feel about yourself I remember yeah. I think it was Oprah actually that like the first place that I heard it like yeah. was was keeping this gratitude journal and being able to focus on what you are doing right and letting go of the things that you may not be perfect at mm-hmm. is so liberating yeah. and is so like okay like I, I can I'm I am a good person mm-hmm. I can do this so as I worked on a lot of that um and well, the other thing is, I am totally like obsessed with Brene Brown. She's Brene amazing. Brown, totally. I listen to all her stuff and yeah. just really have taken to heart a lot of working on those different things of like being okay with being imperfect, right? And and, and that has really helped me. So that kind of, she kind of came into my life right about the same time that I started um, a low carb diet. And really, for me, this is my belief in weight loss is that. There isn't one, one right answer to how you're going to lose weight. Yeah, it is all about you personally, your body, your needs, your physical needs, your emotional needs. Like it Literally has to be what you can handle ex- eating and not like yeah. There's so many different options for exactly. weight loss, exactly. And it's just what you can do. Yeah. Like yeah. what you can stick to. Right, exactly. And so I get frustrated sometimes. I'm like, <clears throat> it's not about one thing. Like, it's about knowing you and mm-hmm. getting to where you find what works for you. So anyway, yeah. so I started this low-carb world. And I don't know what it was, but literally I started this. And I really think it was having worked so long at, like, kind of believing in myself that I, when I started, I remember saying to my husband, like, I absolutely believe that I will make it this time. I know that I will. And I had probably lost and gained the same 50 pounds like six times. So it was not like, like, I, like I'm, okay, I'm sure Carly I was heading. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, we'll see. I'm sure that's yeah. what he wanted to say, but he never did. And and I think, so so that was huge for me is really just having a belief that this, I can do this. I am going to do this. Um, anyways, so I did. It was actually the first time ever that I was able to get past I kind of would lose and I would get to like 199 like I'd finally gotten out of the 200s you know and I actually I I crossed that mark and then I kept going and I kept going and I kept going and I got myself down to 150 pounds and I was like this is so awesome okay so that was in 2015 and um I've been able to keep it off since then and it's been really an exciting thing to be able to like talk with people and to share with people. And I always feel I am more than willing to share or listen or talk <laughs> or anything. And and just I love the connection that when people want to know what I'm doing, that they can come and they can talk to me and we can we can discuss the hard things, you know. And 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 I'm not afraid to talk about what was really hard and 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 changing how you believe that you are pot that you are worth it, that you are, you know, that this is okay for you to take time for yourself, to, to work mm-hmm. on developing you physically and, and emotionally so that you can be the best you, the yeah. best mom, the best nurse, the best spouse, whatever it is that I, that I want to be. Like taking care of me 
at first that seems so scary. And I remember just feeling like being reminded of that analogy of like when you're on an airplane, right? And, and the, oxygen, you know, the yeah. oxygen coming down, you got to take care of you, you know, and, and, and being a, learning to be okay with that, that it's okay for me to take care of myself. Anyway, so that was 2015. So what was the hard? You said you're willing to talk about the hard stuff. So what oh, was so hard? What was the hard? What were some of the hard things? I think some of the hard things are um, are really the embarrassment that comes with being an emotional eater. Like things like like I just shared with you a moment ago, like like eating nonstop, like hiding in a in a corner or hiding in a pantry, mm-hmm. or um, the the despising of yourself because you've done something like that. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times we don't want to share that. We don't want to tell anybody that like... We're not perfect. Exactly. That I don't have it together. Or even on this way, I mean, like even on this journey, I've done so good and really stuck to it. But then there are some days where things hurt so bad and I and I do something yeah. like eat 17 candy bars. Not really. But you know what I mean? Like something <laughs> yeah. along those where lines. it feels of, like you ate 17 Exactly. Candy bars. Exactly. Where I've done something that like I just don't want anyone to know. And I don't even want to tell my spouse. I don't want to tell anybody. Yeah. And I found that if if I can just humble myself, like put my pride aside and be like, you know what? Today I had a really bad day. Yeah. And this is what I did. This is what I ate. And this is the emotion that I was trying to not deal with. It makes such a world of difference. It does. It's like I can like, okay, all right. I acted that way because I was totally embarrassed or I was totally ashamed or I was whatever it is. Yeah. I was hurting. And, and, and then people will connect and people will tell you their stories and their hard things. Yeah. And that's my purpose. Like that's what I hope to do with my podcast is yeah. share stories, different stories from everyone. We all have a story and sometimes they're really hard to share and that's okay. But starting to share little by little yeah. is what will help you be able to share the whole thing and what will help other people. And in that sharing, you help yourself right? to right. be able to see how you've progressed and continue to overcome in those hard moments. Right. And it's amazing what can happen when we're willing to share. And it doesn't have to be with 20 people to listen to your podcast <laughs> or but just right. sharing one-on-one it's yeah. amazing what can happen yeah and how you can touch people that you didn't even realize right. needed to hear those things right exactly so I love that well so end of 2015 so anyway so so I've kept the weight off and um you know and I'm just going along in my life and just you know just living right and at the um so my daughter, like I kind of mentioned before, she has really struggled with depression and anxiety. And in that time, depression kind of really started to set in. She was in sixth grade. Um, she had struggled with anxiety for a few years before that. And it just continued to progress into the point where um, depression was really, she was struggling to go to school. She had started to self-harm. Cutting was very uh, much a struggle. And um, and I I didn't really know what to do. I mean, like I've said, I'm a nurse and and I feel like I, you know, I have a good head on my shoulder in terms of medical things, but this was entering me into a world that I did not I did not fully understand and I didn't exactly know how to navigate this world mm-hmm. of childhood depression. And a hard thing is that kind of as you bring it up with people, like especially at that time, um 
at school and things like that, that it was a lot of just like, why aren't you just force her, just make her, you know, so many people would say things like just force her to go. And I'm like, she's like as big as I am and she's won't go and she's crying. And you, the fear in her eyes was the really, really, the really hard thing for me to watch. Anyway, so um, as we kind of started on this journey um, of of depression, I I learned a lot to kind of um, get involved with her, and you know we started to get in touch with therapists. We were starting on medications, and um, in seventh grade, out of necessity, I pulled her out of school and we started online school. And so I really had her with me. Like it was a big, you know, we were always together. I was going to just use my nursing knowledge and we're going to get through this right and and things were good and i felt good about the where we were and then um december 11th 2016 um is the day before my 39th birthday and i was at work and um my sweet daughter was so depressed and hurt so badly like like sometimes i think people don't truly understand the pain that these kids are going through we so often want to label this as attention seeking and there may be some of that there may be attention seeking right but she is hurting so badly that she has started cutting to the point that she needs stitches and that was our first uh, er visit which also began our first inpatient psychiatric hospitalization and I remember the next day was my birthday and we were going to get together as a family and I was so just so heartbroken I felt so bad for her and I just wanted I mean you're a mom right Right. like I just want to fix this I want to make this better I want to do this for her and I just laid there and just cried and cried and just prayed I just need to know what to do how do I help her what do I what resources are there anyways and plus then there's this this feeling of what have I missed what am I you know, if I was a better mom, all those things start to creep into your head. Yeah. Of like, if I was a better mom, I would have seen all this coming. All, exactly. All the ifs. I would have gotten better help. I would have done this. I would have done that. Anyways, um, so she was impatient for a week. Uh, we adjusted meds. We brought her home. And um, within that first month, um, you know, it's a year from that time. And I can look back and now I can see the difference that life has made over this like the the changes that have made in life like that first month in January my husband and I we took a leave from work and literally I stayed with her all day and he stayed awake with her all night whether she was sleeping or what one of us was sitting right there with her mm-hmm. because we were not going to let her fight this by herself mm-hmm. and we were going to make sure that we we were we were there to protect her and um we had a few more uh incidents so in total, this by August of 2017, she had had five different suicide attempts, four different hospitalizations, uh, and last August was when we finally put her into a residential program, which she was in for 50 days. And the really, really hard thing was that <clears throat> she has what's called treatment-resistant depression. So a lot of times, you know, you start on meds or you start some therapy and things get better. And with what she has is that she, meds don't work, therapy doesn't work. She is in such a depressive state and, and you just, the, the hurt when you watch them and you know that they just feel, I mean, like I can't even fathom, like I can't even understand 
how sad she had to have felt to do the things that she did and yeah. to not want to continue. You know, I um, I remember when I was in college and I was wanting to go into nursing school and my mom would always say to me, like, don't get married, just get your degree, get your degree, get your degree. I'm like, mom, I'm going to do it. And now, like, being a nurse – like so many, so many fan, so many doctors on this journey that we've been on have said to us, you guys are not like the normal families we work with. You guys like are so involved. You're always here. You, you just, you are such her advocate. And I always tell them, I'm like, I'm her mom and I'm a nurse. Like she, I'm treat her like she is my patient. I am yeah. going to advocate for her. We are going to get all the help we can get. And if, if I need to put my foot down, I will put my foot down. That's like, awesome. And, and it's been, and and I feel grateful that I have the degree that I have. And now I just want to share that with people like the, the to never give up on your child and to never just take a first opinion. Like there's so many resources that are available to, yeah. for mental health now. And, and the more we talk about it, like as soon as I started opening, opening up about it on my weight loss blog – and talking about it and going live on Facebook, like people started coming to me and sharing different things that like different therapists that we found and and um, different programs to help parents. I was so grateful that I had been willing to open my mouth and I wasn't afraid or I wasn't worried about judgment or any right. of that. I was just like, this is it. This is our struggle. This is what we're going through. Yeah. And people were so willing to help and, and be part of that. One of the biggest struggles, though, is I think when you get into the world of mental health, I'm a rescuer. Like, I feel like I should, like, raise my hand and, like, <laughs> I am a rescuer. And the first time a therapist told me that, like, I rescue her. I do not make her go through hard things. I just kind of, like, I think my mouth dropped open and I kind of looked at him like, well, what do you expect? Like, I'm her mother and I'm a nurse. We rescue. That's what we do. But I... I had to put away, like put aside my pride and like really listen to what they said and like, okay, I'm not a crappy mom. I'm not less than because I'm a rescuer, but I need to learn to let her work through some of this stuff mm -hmm. um, so that she can become stronger and she can become the person that she needs to do. Yeah. So in all of this, we've... Um, She's doing a procedure now called electric shock therapy or okay. electric convulsive convulsive therapy. Mm -hmm. And it was a really scary jump to go to that because that's a big, it's a big thing. Basically, they induce seizures to rewire your brain. And you go under general anesthesia uh, three days a week. And wow. the average person does 10 to 12 treatments. And she is on about treatment number 22 or 23. And it's really frustrating for her. You know, she's like, I have, this isn't fair. I have treatment resistant depression and the treatment is taking forever. But I think one of the biggest things that she and I have really worked together um, learning through this is um, last year, about April, there was a talk that I was listening to um, by Ronald Rasband, Elder Rasband. And I mean, I listened to, you know, everything. But there was one line in there that really stuck out to me, and he talked about first promptings. And basically meaning when you get a thought, act on it. Whether it's you believe in in personal revelation or you believe in whatever your mom power. gut, whatever, mm -hmm. you know, your higher power, whatever it is, the mom gut, like you follow that. And nine times out of ten, you'll be doing the right thing. So that really, really stood out to me. And as we went through this this last year, 
there were times where I would get a thought. I'd be walking past her bedroom door and I would get a thought, open the door. And I would pop in there and I'd say, are you okay? And and she would say to me, how did you know? And I just did something really stupid and I just took a bunch of pills. And, and, and I always knew that like, we'd be able to make it through this, that, that God knew us and that God loved her and that God loved me as a mom and he was going to help me be the best mom that she needed. And that even when things were really hard and you have those moments where you feel like this is, how am I going to make it through this? How am I going to do this? There was always that knowing that I am the mom that she needs. I am exactly who she needs. And the more I can share that with people, that you are who your children need. Mm-hmm. And you have just the set of skills that yeah. that they need you to have so that you can work with them through these, through these trials, through these really, really hard things. And, and I mean, there are so many. I, mean, I could just go on and on on and on about the different like first prompting feelings that I had but but I was always so grateful and people asked me so many times in this last year like how do you keep smiling how do you keep going or how have you not gained back all your weight that is a big question I get I, I want that written down <laughs> I was gonna ask how you've dealt with all of these really hard emotional up and downs with as a mom watching your daughter struggle and going through some of these struggles with her yeah. like how have you kept that in check that has been so I, I never really even thought about it at first until somebody had posed that question to me. And as I thought about it, I thought, like, really for me was that I needed to be in control. For me to be the best mom mm-hmm. for a child with mental health issues, I needed to be in control of my emotions. And I know that food, when I eat out of control, I am not in control of my mm-hmm. emotions. And I need to be strong for her. So I spent a lot of time continuing, like really reinvesting in the original mindset things that I did to lose the weight. So things like gratitude journals. And sometimes it was little things like, I'm just grateful she's alive today. Yeah. I'm grateful that, you know. Well, you posted some, this was it this morning? Yesterday on like, the, I think they were on your mirror. Yes. I feel like your affirmations <laughs> for the day. It was so cute. Yes. I love that idea though. Like. Just sticking things on your mirror that are right. super easy that you can just read every day, every time you see them. That's whenever, right. However often you are in there. Right. Exactly. So it's things like it's that. A game changer. Like post-it notes on the on the yeah. windows and and um, and then also being willing to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Like not being not trying to do this on your own. Yeah. And being willing to talk. And I feel very lucky being a nurse. Like we have a a group of 140 nurses that we work with and they're like my extended family, you know, and just really being able, not being afraid to talk about it with them yeah. and saying, this is what's hard. And, um, and, and knowing that I needed to be strong for her. And it's interesting because in this year too, we have now, um, my 13 year old struggles with depression as well. And we've started her on medications. And I just recently, my 10 year old struggles with anxiety and because of our family history now Mm -hmm. um they want him on medications and that was really hard when I started my 13 year old on depression meds I kind of had this moment of like getting on my knees and like I'm not sure I can do this again yeah I'm not sure I'm capable of of having another child with mental health this is hard this is hard on me this is hard on my spouse and and just knowing just feeling that feeling that I mean, I had, I can do this. Like, 
you know, and sometimes I feel overwhelmed by it, but the majority of the time, I just have to continually tell myself, like, I can do this. And especially with the subsequent, with my younger kids, like, I know how to do this. Like, it's such a great thing to be able, I did it with Ellie, and now it's that overwhelming feeling of, I know how to do this. Mm -hmm. And I will. And, and... You have all those resources already. I have all these resources, exactly. Yeah. And, and oldest child. They always just get the I know, I know. That right? poor girl. <laughs> the guinea pig. I know. So, right? but um, but about about not, not gaining weight, it really has been, it has been about always continuing to take care of me. I remember one time asking one of Ellie's, um, her medication, the doctor that takes care of her meds, like saying to him, and the only way I knew how to describe how I was feeling was I asked him, how, how do you help caregive, caregivers of kids struggling who are feeling like, and I just put my hands around my neck like, like, mm-hmm. like I didn't even know how else to describe it except yeah. that feeling of like I can barely keep my head, head above, above water. water. Like, and that, that image of just I, I, that is exactly how I was feeling. How do I keep my head above water? And every therapist and every person I talked to said, you have to take care of you. You have to. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, for me, I love jazzercise. And I had, to, I had to take a break from teaching, but I always was there because it was that endorphin release. And, and that yeah. might, might not be some, what it is for someone else. Maybe mm-hmm. it's being creative. Maybe it's, um, you know, reading. Like whatever it is that you need, you have to take care of you. Yeah. And it goes against everything we feel as mothers. Like I'm here to take care of my kids, mm-hmm. take care of my spouse, take care it's of my family, so the home, all those things. You can only give so much. Exactly. So. And when your bucket is not full. Yeah. Like, but you need to not go to food, right? Right. That's exactly. What you have to exactly. Finding that fulfillment somewhere besides food. Absolutely. What was going to fill me besides food? Yeah. And, and so kind of my, my tagline right now is food is not the boss of me anymore because really that. that is, it had to be, I'm going to be the boss of my life and I'm, mm-hmm. food is not the boss. Yes. I love that. So what would you tell parents that have children struggling with, um, mental illness and I, what would you tell them? <laughs> I think first and foremost is that there are way more people who are going through this than you even realize. And as soon as you're willing to open up and start finding that community of people, Mm -hmm. it will get easier. And it's scary. My biggest fear was that I didn't want people to judge my daughter. And like even doing this podcast, it was like, okay, I'm, she's gotten much more willing to share her own story like posting it on Instagram and like this is this is my struggles and if you're struggling there is hope. And and but as her mother I I don't want people to judge her, you know? I don't I mean especially because going to shock therapy that's like a big like we're like a big step. But when you open up there are so many people who understand and want to support you mm-hmm. and want to love you through that and then want to love your children through that. Yeah. Like Ellie sometimes she's like why did why did your friend do this nice thing for me well that's because they love you because they love me and and allowing people to be part of your life that's the other big thing is like so many times I don't want to tell anybody because I like I can do this I can totally I'm I'm fine I can do this on my own and realizing that I needed the help of other people I have been so lucky to have my parents my my husband's parents my siblings just the enormous amount of people who can carry you when you're trying to carry your child yeah because that's what you need 
you can't do it by yeah. yourself. And, um, you know, my parents, so we brought in my cousin to live with us and my parents came and moved in with us. What I thought was to help with him. And that's always, you know, I just, yeah. I thought that. But then as, as life went on and they were there through that whole time, when I needed to have another adult in the house at all times in case something happened with Ellie, I just, it was like, okay, that was why my mom and dad were there. Mm-hmm. And they were there and they, they I, I can't even express how grateful I am. You know, and again, there was that worry of like, oh, who's going to judge me because my mom and dad are living with me. But it was like, it, it had to happen. My yeah. husband worked nights. I had to call 911 twice. One time I was there by myself. My sister just showed up and was there, took my kids. Another time my mom was there. Like, like it just, I couldn't have done it without the village of people yeah. because I was willing to share and I was willing to talk about it. The other thing I would tell parents is like, it, don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. And I mean, even my pediatrician said to me, oh, there are so many parents that I give up at, by this point. And I, I just want to tell you, like, don't give up. Like my daughter, one year is in such a different place. Like she is, it is fun to see her laugh and and to, you know, to, to have things that she loves to do, to not just be in bed and sad. She hasn't self, self-harmed in like seven months. And she's like, mom, I don't actually want to do that anymore. That's amazing. And, and... And the other thing is like sticking up for your child. There was one, our very first ER visit. And like I said, I'm a, I'm a NICU nurse. So like, you know, I don't really know if a cut needs stitches, but I was pretty sure these needed stitches. And you know what? This, this ER doc, he was so busy and I get it. And I don't fault him in any way, but a lot of times they're so busy and they think of these teenagers as just kids that want to get attention and they're doing something to themselves. And I wish... That's my only regret from this journey is that I would have put my foot down and say, you you sew up those stitches, those cuts. Those are huge. You need to sew them up. And he didn't. He just, you know, glued them shut. And she has huge scars from that. And she will forever live with them on her legs. These giant scars, these giant reminders of the situation that, of how hard life was at that point. And and she always tells me, mom, don't beat yourself up. It's okay. But it's one of those things. Like if you as a parent have a concern, ask. Yeah. Like be the voice for your child. Like say, hey, you know what? I am concerned about these. These seem really big. Can I get a second opinion? There's mm-hmm. other doctors around. Yeah. Go see your pediatrician. Go do whatever you have to do. Like don't be afraid to speak up and ask questions and get multiple opinions if you mm-hmm. need. And then if you need to get your own therapy to deal with that, then do it. Because being able to talk about it and to say, this is really, really hard Mm -hmm. is so important. It is. I've seen that in um, the lives of, I have a friend whose son has mental, some mental illness and um, some other people I know. And it's so helpful when you can just get the help that you need. And sometimes it seems unfair that, you have struggles because they have struggles. <laughs> exactly. Like, why am I having this when I'm just trying to be the one that helps them? But it's so heavy. Yes. And there's so much that can go on and so much that can affect you emotionally and mentally. Yeah. And um, so it's important to yeah. take care of everybody. Can I add and, one more thing there? Yeah, of course. Oh, don't forget your spouse. Yes. I feel like I, my poor husband, like, I feel like a lot of times he got put on the back burner during this last year because you are as the mom you're like trying to keep everybody together and Mm -hmm. I have a friend who has a son with autism 
And that's exactly what she told me was don't put your spouse on the back burner. You have got to make sure that you are talking together, that you are taking moments together, that you are getting away from the kids. Use your community of people to stay with your depressive child. Like I would use my mom and dad and Travis and I could go out. And I just feel like it is so important. This can ruin marriages. It can ruin families and you have got to stay strong together because together you will be better to care for your child and to help them get through this than if you try to do it angry at each other or alone. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. It was was so fun. It was so fun. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining our podcast today. I hope you have been uplifted and edified from listening to Carly's story. You can find Carly at chubbyfortoolong.com or you can find her on Instagram and Facebook at Life After Crisis. She posts awesome videos, uplifting thoughts, real stories that can strengthen you as you struggle through various things together. Have a great day and remember, you are enough.